If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. Ed, this is going to be a very significant episode. I can hardly wait. Well, next week is the first anniversary of the launch of the Considering Catholicism uh, podcast. Yeah, it has yeah, been a year, has Right, it's been a year since we launched this podcast. We'll, so we're going to record this episode today, be released next week on the first anniversary. So this will be like the first anniversary a special episode. This explains the balloons in the room when I walked in. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and the confetti cannon and everything else. Right. right. Yeah. And, yeah. This is why you made me blow up. Give me a little thing and made me blow on it. It goes. Ah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Okay. So we are, we are partying like it's, uh, you know, 2020. Like it's quarter after three. <laughs> like it's quarter after three in the afternoon. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of thought it would be sort of cool to hear uh, for this sort of first anniversary episode to just talk a little bit about the podcast. And, you know, since we started it, obviously there's some, a lot of people have joined and started listening, but they haven't been along for the full ride. But I thought it'd be a great time for us to just talk about why we do this and what it is and what the vision is and a little bit where it's going and, you know, all that sort of thing. Yeah. And you've been along for a, a while. So, so I want to just start off and talk a little bit about where this podcast came from. And again, for those of you who are faithful listeners or have just started listening, uh, we have we have about 3,000 downloads a month at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully that'll continue to grow. When we started the podcast, I think the first month we had 200, 150 downloads. Okay. And now we're, you know, tripping up to about 25,000 total for the first year. Wow. And we're tripping about 3,000 a month. And I look at the distribution of those, about 70% of them are from the United States and they're pretty evenly distributed to every state. And about 30% of them are from outside the United States. We get a lot in Europe, Canada, Australia, surprisingly kind of spread all over Europe. And so, you know, we've got a lot of people out there and we get a lot of uh, emails and I love the emails from listeners. So if you're a listener, please send us emails because we'd love to get them. But, you know, as it's grown, some of you who are listening, you know, and obviously you're enjoying it, hopefully. But I'll talk a little bit about where it came from, why it is what it is and, and what our purpose is and a little bit what we hope to accomplish and what we hope yeah. to do with it. So. We started this podcast, we started a, I started a nonprofit ministry about a year and a half, two years ago that came out of another Catholic ministry that I'm working with. And we launched something called the Lakeshore Academy for the New Evangelization. And it is a, essentially it started as an adult education Catholic learning academy, uh, both in person and online here in Holland, Michigan, uh, on the shores of Lake Michigan. We're sort of right across the lake, 80 miles from Chicago. And 
we offer classes, Bible, doctrine, church history, all kinds of sorts of things. And you've taken some of those yeah. classes. And then we moved to doing those classes online, offering various kinds of online courses and distance learning people all around the country. And, but I began to realize that there was a sort of another side to this. It wasn't just the education side. There was a side of sort of reaching out to people out there, not just getting them into classrooms. And that's where we decided to launch a ministry, sort of a companion ministry called One Whirling Adventure. So we incorporated it as a 501c3, uh, got a board of directors. And the, let me say two things about it. The, the, the name One Whirling Adventure is often mm -hmm. misunderstood. It's actually a quote from G.K. Chesterton, a phrase that he uses in his book, Orthodoxy. And Chesterton in that book is reviewing sort of church history. And he says orthodoxy, which is, as he uses that term, you know, faithful, historic, doctrinal Christianity has been one whirling adventure. What he says is it's, it's almost like over the years, over the centuries, over the ages, all of the heresies and, and factions and, and conflicts and false teachings and everything else that have, that have been there for 2000 years, he said, it's, it's almost as if it's like a battlefield, like a medieval battlefield or something. And there's this war horse, you know, with a knight on it or something. And he's dodging and bobbing and weaving, leaping over here, ducking there, right. swerving there. And he says, orthodoxy has been like this. It has moved throughout history, uh, sort of uh, moving around and overcoming and defeating all of the heresies and challenges that have been thrown up against it. And it has been one whirling adventure. Uh, as it has mm -hmm. moved through. And in the end, all of those heresies, all of those false teachings, all of those splinter things have all been left behind, but the historic Catholic right. church moves on. So when we launched this, I just thought that was an incredibly moving image um, for the Catholic church and for Catholicism. And I thought, well, what a great name for our ministry, One Rolling Adventure. And so we launched it and had a mission statement, very simple mission statement, and that is to, to excite and educate people about the historic Catholic uh, faith, mm -hmm. right? And to equip them to live, share, and defend that historic Catholic right. faith in the 21st century. Because once again, this is a century in which all of our beliefs in Catholicism is under enormous challenge, as it has been for 2,000 years, hence the one rolling adventure thing. But once again, it's under ch new challenges in the 21st century, and we need to not only be excited about it and educated about it, we need to be equipped to live, share, and defend it. So we launched this ministry, and the first project of this ministry has been the Considering Catholicism podcast launched at the end of last January of 2022. And as I said, it started off, I think the first month we had 100, 150, 200 maybe downloads. And now we're, we're at 25,000 and, and, and we'd love to get the feedback that we get from people. So that's a little bit of the history. And then you um, began to join us. We started our church chats with Ed. Right. You, we, I remember sitting in the coffee shop and you said, okay, I got this idea. What do you think about it? You want to come and be like the... Uh, the Protestant on my, on my, you know, and, and I, and I knew, I, I knew that you had uh, ulterior motives that you were, you were reeling me in, but I, I, I kind of wanted to be reeled in. So I thought, well, this, besides I'm sort of, I'm sort of retired. It's not like I'm, you know, I can well, do this. You know, you and I had started talking about Catholicism before that. 
Ed and I both were on staff at the same evangelical, non-denominational evangelical church mm-hmm. at one time, a long kind of complicated story. Right. I was kind of on staff there and you were a volunteer and then I, then you became on staff and whatever, but we were both at that church long, long story about 15 right. years ago and 10, 15 years ago. And I left that church to enter the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And when I left behind uh, all my friends and I left that behind that world and, you know, we, we maintained some of those relationships. So some people have never really understood why I left and severed right. those relationships. But Ed and I always kind of, you know, I talked about this stuff a little bit. Right. And then you had reached out to me and started asking questions. And those questions led to, some right. conversations right. and those conversations. And then we started meeting in this little taqueria, taco shop thing. And right. we started talking about this a little bit. And I said, hey, you know, why don't we record the conversations? Right. And really that's what we f- started doing was we began to have our church chats here. Right. Uh, and they were really just uh, spontaneous. I mean, we didn't really have a game plan. They weren't gamed out. We would right. d- just kind of pick a topic and talk about it for right. the day. Yeah, we, um, we were going to do it anyway. We, we were going to, I wanted to talk about this stuff anyway. And I remember thinking, well, you know, okay, so if somebody else who is in my position, gotta believe there's somebody else in my position, maybe they would benefit from, from, from me asking the hard questions or just speaking my mind or, you know, being open and saying, well, I, you know, this is what I feel or this is what I think. I, I can't believe I'm the only one, you know? Well, and what, I think what's been really cool about it over the last year is that you have been a real life sort of lab experiment right? because you are a Protestant who has been con- literally considering Catholicism and right. moving in that direction. And you can talk a little bit about that, but over the course of this last year and these conversations, you have investigated and learned about and asked questions right. and I've done my best to answer them. And then you've done some offline reading and investigation and, you know, you've been moving closer towards embracing Catholicism. A lot of it I didn't see coming, and it's it's been fascinating. It, but it's also it's taking a, it's taken a lot longer, and it's much slower, a much slower process than I thought it might be. I thought, well, you know, you can if you convince me of a couple of things, I think I'd be good. But one thing always tripped another, you know, and until until I thought, well, there's just still more to come. I've got other things to consider, and what about this, and what about that, and and uh, not the least of which is how will the Protestant world around me react? You know, and I have friends and family and what are they going to, you know, it, it just, it's far more involved and far weightier and far meatier than I, than I could have imagined. Now that we're, I think I've said this in the, uh, one of my blog posts that I didn't, I didn't see how much of there was, how much history there was, how much theology there was, how much culture, how much, how different it was. I didn't see that coming in. Um, and now that I do, I find that I've, I'm, I've, well, I haven't found the bottom yet, you know? Well, one of the things I think that's, you know, I think there's two, I get a lot of feedback about the episodes that you're in from two sides. One is I have a lot of Catholic friends who say, I really love the episodes with Ed because I have someone like Ed in my life. And when I listen to you and Ed talk, I'm getting in a sense some tips or whatever for how to talk to my friend, how to share my faith, how to answer his questions when he asks these. And, you know, I think it's been intentional. I thought, well, you know, we'll do this kind of lab experiment here. And so, you know, they all have an Ed 
in right. their world. And that Ed is, you know, whether that's a, a friend or a family member or whatever is asking them questions. And by listening to these, they're sort of getting, yeah, some, right. some models or tips or coaching or whatever right. for how to have that in itself. The other thing that's interesting is how many emails uh, I get, and I, I share those with you, where there are folks out there listening who they're like you, they're, they are considering Catholicism. They're on your side of the table and the, the episodes, and they talk about how great this has been for them because somebody, they feel like you're asking all the questions that they're wondering. And they're like, Ed, right. is, Ed is sort of like, he's a stand-in for me because he's, the things that he's wondering and asking about the exact same things I'm working through and so it's great to hear him ask those questions and get those answers. And they've found it incredibly helpful. I made my mind up early on in this that there was no point in doing this if it wasn't real. And if, if I didn't actually say what I was thinking and ask the hard questions, because I knew that I knew that you could, that you would have answers or you would have a way to talk about this. And I, and I remember thinking, well, there, there's got to be other people. And if they are, if there are other Protestants listening, they, I can't believe they won't have the same questions as me. So I got to ask them, you know? Yeah. You know, one of the things, so if I get a pushback on this podcast and I mean like, right. I, you know, there's people who love it and people I'm sure who don't, and they listen to one episode and don't listen anymore. That's fine. But, but the one thing that I get on a fairly regular basis from some people and a lot of times it's people that I knew from my past. Mm -hmm. They say, I love listening to you talk about this stuff. Or I love the conversations you have. I just wish it was a little bit less, I don't know, Catholic-y, <laughs> right? Like, could, right. couldn't, could, do you, does it have to be so Catholic-y? Uh, couldn't it be just, could you ease off on the Catholicism part and make it more like, kind of generically like considering Christianity, you know, because they're like, well, a lot of them are either former Protestant, I mean, that former Protestants that I formerly knew right. who are like, I, and I had great relationships with a lot of them. You know, I worked in, you know, I worked in ministry for over 30 years right. and Christian publishing and a lot of things. So I have, a, I have a network of people out there. They're like, wow, it's great to listen to you teach again or write and teach again. Right. Uh, I just wish you weren't talking about all this Catholic stuff, couldn't it just be about generic, you know, about Christianity? It could be sort of an evangelization, you know, on the sort of edge of just getting people into Christianity, not specifically Catholic or Protestant. Right. So I want to talk about uh, that for just a minute. And I, I'm going to use you as my, because I'm getting to look at you, but right. I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm directing it at them. So, the, so okay. for those people out there who say that to me all the time, this is my pushback and, and it's not just about the podcast. I think it makes a really important point about Catholicism. So for all the rest of you who don't care about the inside baseball of what my old friends say, please listen to this part. I can't do this as considering Christianity because I'm not sure at this point in my journey that you can really do that anymore, that, Christian, that, that there is a generic Christianity. Hmm. Now, when I first started doing apologetics and evangelization wow. on a university campus 30-something 
years ago, I was working for Christian, you know, I was, I was in student ministries, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, Campus Crusade, Navigators, all these kinds of things. And we were just out there sort of doing, we, we were talking to non-Christians, atheists, kids in the university environment, and we we're trying to just get them, you know, just present g- sort of a generic Christianity to them. What we used to call from C.S. Lewis, mere Christianity, right? right? And that seemed like that was enough. And I don't think that works anymore. I think it may have worked 40 years ago. I think it may have worked 80 years ago. I don't know that it works anymore. And I want to explain why. For sure, there is a space on the edges for sort of generic Christian apologetics. So against atheists uh, against, but, you know, talking to an atheist or an agnostic or a total secularist or a materialist or whatever, you can argue that there is a God. Right. And you can use all the different proofs for the existence of God or arguments for the existence of God, et cetera, et cetera, sort of get them to the point where they go, you know, there is a God. And then, you know, then you can do some sort of more specific Christian apologetics. You can say, hey, you know, uh, I, think, I think this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, rose from the dead. Right. And there's historical reasons why the argument for the resurrection is solid, okay? But much beyond that... Much beyond there is a God and Jesus rose from the dead, you quickly get into, and I did that. I mean, I I earned my stripes. I got my t-shirt. I've spent years and years and years doing that kind of evangelization and apologetics in those environments. But part of the reason I'm here is that I began to realize over time that, that it falls short because that conversation quickly turns to well, let's get into some specifics. Right. And as soon as you get into specifics, you have to start saying, well, well, um, okay, so Jesus rose from the dead, and then what happened? And then you go, well, you know, they put this thing called the church together. Well, tell me about this thing called the church. And then you have to descend into, well, what is the church? And what's the nature of the church? Or you descend to this thing, if you say, well, what do we know about Christianity? And what do we know about Jesus? Well, the Bible says this and this. Well, then the skeptic or the atheist or the whatever says, well, where did this Bible come from? And how do I know the Bible is true? And then we have to descend into the whole question of the nature of Scripture and, and the relationship of Scripture and the church and tradition. Right. Right? Or we descend into... Uh, what should I do and how should I live if I believe in Jesus? And then we have to descend into, well, do I need to go to church or not go to church? What is the nature of the relationship between me and the church? To what degree does the church play a role in my salvation? Uh, and, and what is it? Do I, do I go to church and just sit and listen to sermons or do I need to participate in the sacraments or not? Are the sacraments necessary? What are the sacraments? Right? And so... You, you don't get very far before you have to start answering specific questions. And those questions quickly force you to decide between a sort of Catholic vision right. and, and, and Catholic answers to those things or non-Catholic answers to those. So in the years when I kind of came out of the university environment and became a Calvinist, I think you could have a podcast. I mean, you could have a podcast that's considering Calvinism. 
right. where I could say, okay, for all of those questions beyond just that there is a God and Jesus rose from the dead, what is the Christian life look like? What is the church? How do we save? How do we know we're saved? How do we live, right? How do we, I can answer all those things from a Calvinist perspective. Right. I can answer all of those things from a Pentecostal perspective. I could answer all those things from an Eastern Orthodox perspective. I can answer all those things from a Catholic perspective, but I can't sort of hover above it all and not answer those questions or answer them only generically. I, I think that the attempt to do so is by default a, a vision of, of sort of contemporary evangelical Christianity, which imagines itself as hovering above all of this. Right? Yeah. Contemporary Christianity, evangelicalism has this notion that all of those specifics are irrelevancies. Yeah. You know, the denominations came along and all this stuff. And it's really simple. You just read your Bible, you, you follow the Holy Spirit and, you know, and all of that stuff, all of that denominationalism and everything else is all sort of irrelevant and, and whatever you go. But that in and of itself, that belief mm -hmm. That notion that Christianity just consists of this sort of thin veneer thing that hovers above it all, that in itself is a belief system and it's evangelical Christianity. And, you know, we've talked about that on the podcast. Corey and I did an episode not too long ago called the year zero problem. Right. Right. And the whole ish idea there is that the, the, the contemporary evangelical wants to keep living in the year zero, right? right? We, we just hover, I think everything could just be like it is in the second or third or fourth or fifth chapter of the book of Acts. And that's it. And then right. just everything stops at that point. But, but that's not the way that life works. That's not the way history works. That's not the way the church works. And we don't get past that. And that's not the way the way church worked. The church didn't stop at the right. year 40. <laughs> right. 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 Right, the, the church progressed and those questions had to be answered. And that's why the apostles wrote the books. And then coming out of that, the, right, the church right. had to form and it had to grow and had to mature. So at some point you have to answer those questions because it's completely unhelpful just to live in that space. Now, my friends would say, well, you know, um, but C.S. Lewis and mere Christianity. And I got to say, I cut my teeth out. I became a Christian. I was converted to Christianity partly by reading C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. I mean, I was a young right. college student. And that, I mean, so, man, I got a dog-eared, you know, copy of that on my shelf that's right. 40 years old and underlined. And, you know, so, and, and I got to say that in the evangelical world, C.S. Lewis is the closest thing evangelicals have to a doctor of the church. Right. Like what Catholicism calls a doctor of the church, right. it's C.S. Lewis. But here's the thing about that book, Mere Christianity, which they don't remember. Is, and I think it's in the introduction to it. Uh, what Lewis says is he says, my attempt to bite this is to write about those things that are common to all denominations. Right. right? That's what this right. book is about. He said, but I liken it, and I'm quoting Lewis here, or paraphrasing Lewis. He says, but I liken it to a house. And he says, all I'm doing is getting you in the front door of the house. And there's a front hallway, a foyer. Right. And he said, but you can't live in the foyer. Yeah. You have to go into the rooms. And in this house, there are rooms. You know, here's Catholicism. Here's Calvinism. Here's Eastern Orthodoxy. Right. Here's Pentecostalism. Here's whatever. He said, you can't just live in the, you know. In the, in the entryway. Yeah. In the entryway. At some point, you have to enter a room. 
And that's Lewis saying it in the, in the introduction to mere Christianity. He goes, all I'm trying to do is get you in the front door, but then you got to pick a room. Right. So I spent a lot of years coming out of that sort of doing the C.S. Lewis thing of, well, let's just get people in the front door. Right. And not really worry about what room they go to. And, and what I feel is in 2023, that's completely impractical. Yeah. Because of the meltdown of the Christian world. So we've had this conversation sure. on the podcast when, when I say, well, what is the Protestant position on X? What is the Christian position on, take a moral issue of our day. Right. Take the LGBTQ thing, right? Right. What's the Christian position? Well, I, I don't know. Let's go on the internet and find out. I can find 500 different, and you know what? I can even find mega church evangelical pastors that I used to work with in the publishing world who 20 years ago had a sort of orthodox historic perspective on it. And they've decided, no, not anymore. Right. They're all over the board. So I can't even tell you what the Christian position is. I can tell you what the Catholic position is. I can tell you what Calvinism says. I can right. tell you what Eastern Orthodoxy says, but I can't tell you what the generic Christian position is. Right. Because there's no generic Christian position. And I, and I think, you know, you and I've talked about this before. I, I think there was a time, if you rewound the clock a hundred years ago or more, there was that Christendom idea that there was a lot of agreement about these, these broad issues. But there's not even agreement about broad issues about the nature of the Bible, the nature of the Christian life, the nature of salvation, what happens to us when we die, uh, the necessity of the scriptures, uh, moral theology, the nature of the human person. There's almost no consensus about that left anymore right. in the sort of non-denominational broad sense. You have to go into the rooms in the house. And I spent a lot of years trying to live in that entryway. Mm -hmm. And then I had to pick a room. And in my own journey, I picked the Calvinist room. And then I realized I liked that room. And I moved right. down the hall to the sort of the non-denominational. Right. Actually, what I did there is I just sort of moved into the hallway and hovered. Right. And then I entered the, you know, the Catholic room. And I'm very comfortable talking about that. But the reason this is considering Catholicism is that, yeah, we can sit here all day long and I can do podcast after podcast after podcast about God exists and Jesus really rose from the dead. And, you know, but I can't get much past that today because every question that somebody wants to ask, that's actually an important question about what do I do now, deserves an answer. And right. there is no generic answer. I mean, that's what you've been finding out right. over the last year. Well, then what? And then you have to pick a room. And so I really feel like to be helpful to people, to be helpful to people in their actual lives, if they really want to get to know uh, Jesus and follow him, that, that Christianity in a sense has to take a form. Yeah. And I'm convinced, I've become convinced that we, we talked about this a, a few episodes ago when we talked about Chesterton's Why I'm a Catholic with right. Corey, uh, that, that it boils down to that I've, I've come to believe that Catholicism is true. So if, if I want to spread Christianity, again, beyond just that God exists, right. you know, questions, and Jesus rose from the dead questions, if I want to spread Christianity, I have to... I have to take on the sort of next 
set of questions that come after that. Yeah. And I, and because I believe Catholicism is true, I have to answer those questions from a Catholic perspective. And I think anything less than that is not helpful. Now, again, there's, there's people, podcasters out there who are going to say, Hey, I, you know, come to the considering Calvinism or the considering Pentecostalism or the considering Eastern Orthodoxy podcast, go right ahead. But this is, but in a sense, they're doing the right thing too. And that's, they're trying to take you into a room. Right. My daughter, I was out visiting, uh, out of state visiting one of my daughters and I was telling her about all this because she grew up going to the church where I worked, the big evangelical church. And she said something really interesting to me. She said, dad, this, this whole thing that you're talking about of doing it this way and not that way. She said, I have always wanted and tried to invite people that I met into church in a relationship with God, but I had no idea what I was inviting them to. I just was inviting them. And once they, once I got them anywhere near the entryway, she wouldn't have said it that way, but once I got them near the entryway, I had nothing to say to them. Um, and, and that is increasingly what you're saying is I have right along with Protestantism splintering and changing and devolving or whatever, I have watched it all happen. And that's, and that's why I'm here. I wouldn't, if you had, if you had, this had been a considering Christianity uh, podcast, I wouldn't have come or, and had anything to say, or I wouldn't have listened because I already know that stuff, you know? Um, got to be careful about, you know, sensitive to people and stuff, but, but it was a, a, a few months ago, a friend, um, uh, lost his life, actually, um, took his life, uh, in a very sad situation. Somebody that I knew from my Protestant evangelical non-denominational right. church days took his life. And the whole big circle of friends that I know, right? I mean, everybody, the text messages started going around and my gosh, did you hear about this? And, you know, whatever. And so obviously the community of people who were friends and colleagues and everything else, everybody kind of circled around and there's a lot of conversation. And obviously uh, this guy's family and friends, everybody was shaken by this whole thing. And there were a lot of conversations at that time. And there was a, a memorial service, but in talking about, well, what happens now? What, what does it mean? Um, what does it mean that he was in this place? What does it mean that he took his life? How does God feel about this? Right. Right. I mean, all of those were very real questions and and they were, they were, they're important questions and the kinds of questions that hovering in the, Hey, do you sort of just believe in God thing, you know, kind of living in the, in the entryway. Right you know, you had to descend into some specifics. And so I, I couldn't answer generically because there was no generic answer. Right. That's not could, an answer. I could answer out of the doctrines and tradition of the Catholic church, but I couldn't give you the generic Christian version because there, there is no generic Christian version. I could, I, I could have told you this is what Calvinism would say. Right. I could have told you this right. is based on my understanding of Eastern Orthodoxy, what it would say. I, I, I can tell you what, Catholic, what Catholic teaching on these issues and the afterlife and all they are, but I, I, don't, I don't know how to tell you just what generic Christianity teaches. 
And I, I just give that instance and we could come up with a thousand other instances where it just doesn't get you very far. And I, and I think that, like I said a moment ago, if you wound the clock back, the, the culture around us, there was still a sort of enough residual sort of Christendom in the culture Mm-hmm. that you could kind of hover in this sort of a generic space. And there was a lot of sort of maybe kind of general consensus about moral issues right. and life and how to live your life in a sort of generically Christian way. But man, in 2023, that's gone. It's just gone. Right. The situation that we live in is more analogous to the Christians, their situation in the first one or 200 years or 300 years under the Roman empire, you know, right. where they live in essentially a, a you know, a, a synchristic, pagan, chaotic sort of culture. And there is no consensus about these things. And so Christians have to answer questions. And if you're going to be in any way useful to anybody, right, to answer any question that is meaningful beyond, should I believe in God? And you, you, have, to, you have to enter one of the rooms that, 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 that C.S. Lewis said. And so, so I, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I, well, I had an interesting little, I was... I do a lot of reading, sitting with my laptop in front of me in the evening and and uh, going down this rabbit hole and that rabbit hole and researching Catholic stuff. And oh, there was a, there's a, um, I was reading about divorce and remarriage mm-hmm. and, and what the Catholic church teaches about that. And, and, um, there, uh, uh the, the, the basic difference is that the cat, that the Protestants say that you can, you can, you know, you can you can get divorced in certain instances, and the Catholic Church says no, you can't. Okay, we can go back and say this was never a valid marriage, but we can't go once it once we've determined that it is, then the marriage is indissoluble. And there's a famous teacher, and I don't, I would say his name, but I'm not sure. Is it MacArthur? I think John yep. MacArthur. Okay, yeah. And he has Protestant uh, evangelical sort of right. uh, uh, reformed Baptist. I think he's a Reformed Baptist, but kind of a Calvinist yeah. sort of. And he has, he, I, 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 this rabbit hole eventually led me to him saying, I have now, after many years of digging into this, I have changed my position. And I do think that marriage is indissoluble and that divorce is wrong in every case. Um, and that if you're divorced and remarried and whatever, right? And I thought, well, look at this. He, you know, the Catholic Church got there how long ago, and this and and he just came to this point. This is an in, this is an example of the Protestant Church not knowing what it thinks, right? And you could then go on the internet and you see John MacArthur said this if you go on Twitter, and then the ten thousand responses on Twitter from Christians from you know every other sort of substripe of whatever right. all chiming in, and John MacArthur is right, he's wrong, right. he's everything. See, there's that side of it. There's the chaos, but I would actually come back to this, and that is that the questions that you're asking about marriage and this and that, right. these are the existential questions. It's one thing to sort of believe in God, but or to believe that there was right. a guy named Jesus who rose from the dead, but then what? Right. And all of the then what involves these existential questions, life, death, marriage, children. Right. Uh, what do I do with my time? What is the relationship right. of the church? Do I need to go to church? What are the sacraments? How do I know I'm forgiven? And all of that stuff requires you to actually answer those questions. Otherwise, it's not even helpful to anybody. Right. And again, because I've come to believe that Catholicism is true, the only way I know to answer those questions is right. from the position of the historic 
Catholic Church, Historic Orthodoxy. And that's what this podcast is about. And that's what this podcast is going to continue. And that's, and that's what I love about it, is that it's this and not that. You know? Otherwise, I'm chasing the latest guy. You know, some Protestant guy figured out what he, you know, he came to this conclusion all on his own, you know, and uh, that's, that, that's what the Protestant church is or isn't, you know, and that's not what the Catholic church is. Well, that's what we are. That's what this podcast is. And that's what's going to continue about this year. And so, so a couple things to all of you who are listeners. Uh, Number one, love, love getting your emails, please. uh, Greg at consideringcatholicism.com. And if you want to forward emails to Ed or Corey or whatever, send them this way and I'll forward them on. But please uh, send your emails. Love to hear your thoughts and your comments. Uh, secondly, please like and share the podcast. We want to grow it. We did about 25,000 downloads in the first year. Like I said, started by about 100, 200 the first month, but we're, we're rolling and I would really love to see us, uh, you know, get to 50 or 75,000, you know, by the end of this year. So, yeah. uh Please share a like, share, comment, uh, pass it on to your friends, uh, and uh, stick with us too. One of the things is is that we do have some costs to produce this podcast, and uh, we have had generous uh, supporters who helped us with that. But this year, after we've gotten through the first year, we're going to uh, be able to to receive some donations, and we do need your donations to help offset the cost of of producing this and some other exciting ministry things that we have. Uh, that we want to spin off from this. So please uh, stick with us and, and give us your prayers and your support. Thanks for listening. Yeah, amen. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com and email me to let me know what you think, greg at consideringcatholicism.com.